Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We're here with my friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Erica is working the dials. And joining us, very special guest and friend, Dr. Matt Savelli, who is a professor at McMaster University. Uh, and like I said, you know, you're a pal. You're, you're one of the champagne boys for our listeners uh, who know our crew. And we wanted to have you on because uh, there's a lot going on in the world of education uh, as it pertains to COVID-19 and all of that stuff. But before, Max, you're the one that's like, yo, let's get Savelle's on. What, what, yeah. what were you thinking? Well, to be honest, when I um, am walking around uh, Hamilton with Matt, Matt might be more famous than I am, especially amongst McMaster University <laughs> students. He's sort of a celebrity <laughs> on campus, making him very uncomfortable right now. But oftentimes, like a young person will come up and they'll look very excited and the one, and I'm like, okay, here we go. And I start to kind of play with my hair and get my big, kind of charming <laughs> smile out. And then they just go right for Savelli, and they want to talk to talk to the doc. Um, so yeah, you know, he can catch up with whatever we did this weekend. But also, we should ask him smart people questions because he's a smart person, and uh, this is a smart podcast, I think. So first of all, Matt, welcome to the podcast. I, I, I we haven't heard from you yet. Welcome. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much for having me, Max. You are uh, ridiculous and too kind. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Matt, I want to know with your bookshelf behind, you know, I know a lot of your work right now is, um, you know, these Zoom calls. Is that, are those your books or is that your roommate, Nick? And full disclosure, you live with Nick in our band. (laughs) Um, And are you trying to impress people with these books? Uh, Honestly, the graveyard of energy drinks and empty weed containers is probably like not what people need to see. (laughs) (laughs) Before we uh, started rolling, Max, before you got on the call, Shane joked that it was just like a, like one of those like roll down pictures in the background that it's actually just a brick wall back there. Um, Yeah. So you, 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 uh, you live with Nick uh, from Arkell's uh, Matt. And also we're on like this Microsoft teams call, uh, but you're actually just around the corner from me. Yeah. Literally a block away. We, We could be doing this in my backyard right now. We should be doing this new backyard right now. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, first of all, did you guys, we want to like catch up like normal. Should Let's we jump right into the topic? And, and then we'll get into the smart person stuff. <laughs> Savelle's, how do you feel that you're the designated smart person? Like whenever Max needs to ask somebody a smart person question, you get the call. Uh, I mean, it's a low bar to clear, but uh, <laughs> no, no, I'm obviously charmed. <laughs> So what's everyone uh, up to? Let's start well, with you, Maxi. Yeah. What's what? What me? I, I want to know how you're feeling after the this Raptors game last night because obviously the elation of Game Four um, was pretty, pretty pretty damn good. Game uh, three. Well, Game three was incredible, but then and then they spanked him in Grade Four, Game Four. Uh, but last night, not not so good. But I, I, I usually like to do like a mental health check on Mike Veerman after <laughs> after any Raptors game. Um, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, like last night was crushing. It was I had trouble sleeping, you know. It just it hurts to get beat in such an embarrassing manner. I mean, if they had lost at the buzzer, I would have been bummed, but I would have been like, "Hey, the guys fought," you know. So, it was a it was a tough one. It's the second blowout in the series, but uh, you know, whatever. There's there's real issues going on in the world. This is just my my silly fandom. But yeah, I'm I'm bummed out about that loss, but hey, we tied it up and that was a very exciting two games with the the point 0.5 buzzer beater by OG and then them uh, coming out and winning game 4 was really great. And one thing we haven't actually talked about is uh I ended up sitting in the virtual fan section. Uh <laughs> so for anyone that's been watching these games like in the bubble, they do this thing where like they you're you can get into the virtual fan section. So you're like sitting courtside on the video boards. Uh my brother, uh, Greg Verman as we know works for MLSC reached out and he was like, yo, he's like, uh, if I could get you like courtside onto the video board, would you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, that'd be hilarious. So like me and Winona, will like, we'll get on the video board and do it. <laughs> it was such a funny, weird way to watch a basketball game. But at least I can say I've been to at least one playoff game every time the Raptors have been in the playoffs. Like, what do you, what do you watch the game on? You just watch it through your computer? They send you a VR headset so that you're actually like sitting. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm oh. making that up. <laughs> the look on your face, though. <laughs> I was going to say that the, the logistical issues with that must be insane. <laughs> Sending out, like, yeah, 300 uh, Oculuses. Um, no, so the way it works is it's literally just on Microsoft Teams like this. And so you, I actually was trying to do a video because Max was like, do content for the pod, like show how it works. And so I was trying to, but it's kind of this hard. So, okay. So like the game was a 5:30 tip, which is already very early. And like Winona's not in bed and you get on your Microsoft teams computer and you have to get on like early at like 4:45 or whatever before the game starts. 
you get on and then there's like your section, your fan section. So there's like 30 people on a call just like this all on a video board. And then like a team leader, like a Raptors, like spirit squad guy. And he's like, all right, guys, like these are the cheers we're going to do. Like if we want to put our hands up we're gonna do, and they start sort of like planning all these things. And I'm trying to like be like a good fan and like engage, but I also have like a kid running around shirtless and I'm just like, I'm on mute and I'm trying to like have fun. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm a grown man. This is very weird. And then he's going around and he's like, all right, let's get to know everybody in our section. What's your favorite cereal? And then like everybody's going around the circle and they're like, but then it's like, people don't know if it's their turn to talk. So it's kind of chaos and you're just going, all right. And then it gets, everyone's doing like some you know, cinnamon toast crunch and all that. And I just did like boring raising brand. And then I'm trying to like make jokes <laughs> on the stupid thing with anyway, it was like, it was funny for that reason. Then the game starts and it's the ESPN feed and it is three full plays ahead of like the TSN feed here in Canada. So I've got the ESPN feed on my computer that I'm watching. And what you do is you can either split screen it. So there's three views. There's the view, like the grid we see here. Then there's the view of us, like in the chairs, like the virtual reality courtside thing. And then there's like a split screen where you can either watch the game plus the chairs or just the full game on the, the call or whatever you pin the game. So you watch the game that way, but it was very weird because the game was so far ahead of the feed here and just even people reacting. Uh, I found like online that I like, I felt like I was in the future, which was very, very interesting. But as far as like watching a game, you guys know, like when I watch a Raptors game and there, there might only be one left in the entire year. Um, I like to like, I'm really engaged. I really like to be sort of engaged. But in this case, I was at my dining room table at dinner time. So I'm literally sitting in front of my laptop at the end of the table while Danica and Winona are eating dinner. And I've got my little headphones in and I'm like watching. It was just the most surreal way to sort of experience it. And then Win wanted to keep like jumping in and I'm like, I almost would have been like better off going to the basement, but then I kind of just feel like this weirdo absentee dad if I like take my computer and go to the basement to watch basketball. So anyway, it was uh, it was an experience, but it was fun. I got to sit courtside, but that was that. Shout out to uh, Greg for hooking that up for me. Is there rules like when it begins? Is it like, all right, if you decide to be crazy and pull a full moon, we're going to like fine you or if you swear <laughs> or something? <laughs> I I. I'm sure there was a rules, but I didn't read them and they didn't make anything very clear. Like I thought maybe you couldn't like, you can't drink a non-sponsorship beer. Like, you know, it's a Michelob ultra fan section or whatever, but the Raptors are sponsored by like Coors and Bud or I don't know. So, I, but they didn't give me any of those rules. They didn't say anything about clothing. Although I wore like Raptors gear. I, although I did at halftime, uh, we gave Winona a bath and cause we were washing her hair. I had to get into the bath. So when I came back for the third quarter, I was putting my shirt on but I didn't really, I stepped into the camera and I was like, hold, I was just shirtless, like on this like national broadcast for a split second. And Greg had even said, don't do anything stupid and get me fired. And I was like, I'm not going to <laughs> like 12, 12 beers later. I'm like, yeah, being crazy, but it was what it was. But yeah, it was a good time. And I'm bummed about the Raptors, but Hey, maybe they, maybe they win tomorrow night. And then we have a game seven and you know, anything can happen in a game seven in the world of sports. But overall, is it better to watch it on normal TV regular? Absolutely. Okay. Well, maybe listen, if you're like, I don't know if you're like, if you, if you're sitting at home alone and you can watch it that way, it's like, you're just getting an ESPN stream to your computer. So, you know, it's actually pretty sweet if you don't have cable, cause you actually get the game and you don't have a bunch of distractions around you. If you have like a family or stuff going on around you, it's actually hard to really engage with it. So maybe I'm not the person, but I'm glad I experienced it. Mm -hmm. It was fun. I got to, I saw myself on the broadcast when I was watching a couple of the replays. So, Mike, I was with you for game three, and that was probably the highest I have ever seen you emotion-wise in my entire life. <laughs> After game five, like, was was the baseline now so high that you're still okay, or are you now below the line? Uh, yeah, well, so here's the thing. Like, after OG hit that shot, yeah, we were we were together. Uh, we were doing a backyard viewing, and when OG hit that .5 shot, like, it was insane. It was, it, I was just like... It was the most, I was like, guys, we just witnessed something so unique that Raptors fans will be talking about forever. Like what a cool experience that we got to sort of have this moment together. After that, I was like, you know what? Like we've won a championship. We, we fought like hell. We had this great moment. If, if we like, I, let's just say that I've come to terms with the idea of losing to the Celtics in this round at this point. So I'm, I'm ultimately like, um, I can't get that low. You know what I mean? It's like, we already have a ring. I saw we got a, like a seminal moment in the playoffs that we'll be talking about forever. So whatever happens, happens now. Hey, what did um, you think, uh, Savelle's, with everybody in that moment? You know, you, you don't watch a ton of basketball, but like in that moment, what were you feeling? I mean, it was great. It was really, really exciting. I would say, you know, like 25 minutes into you talking about it, though, I was like, okay, 
I, I get it. It's a big moment. And then like 45 <laughs> minutes in, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Mike is really excited here. Maybe I've missed something. But no, I mean, no, it was great. It was like obviously amazing <laughs> to see to see everyone so happy. Hey, yeah. Matt, you're an, an, an very intense soccer fan or football fan, English Premier League. Is there an equivalent uh, moment in your life as, as a fan of Tottenham that, that made you go nuts? Oh, yeah. Uh, so last season, Tottenham had made the, or I guess now it's two seasons ago, made the Champions League final. And um, I was watching the, the semifinal game and, and they scored with, you know, absolutely no time left. And I was in my office at the time screaming audibly quite worried about you know what what my colleagues were going to say and and late to class on account of it actually oh <laughs> but yeah what half the students don't turn up anyways doesn't matter um shane uh okay, okay we have important questions to get to matt but I, shane are you still doing your sunday thing or monday that you're not on the internet because i tried texting you don't respond to the fucking text i'm just very busy <laughs> all the time so uh, no i need i need my phone all the time and quarantine all rules that existed before quarantine are out the window. Days don't even matter to me. <laughs> like every day feels the exact same. My the way I work, the way I operate, it nothing changes. Like there's never a feel, day off. Do you feel like you're like uh, like peak um, chain though right now? Like that yeah. you're like just like a machine, just yes. like taking care of business. Yes. And um, I told Alex, I go, <laughs> this is going to be the hardest year of our life, like lives. But next year it's going to be easier because i'm gonna hire employees next year to handle all for the shit this, i'm dealing with now for this family tree for just everything like i'm gonna get an assistant an editor everything just i'm just this year is like the first year of business but yeah this family tree and just handling everything like all the stuff i don't want to do i'm not going to do next year mm. i actually had a uh, i had a dream last night that i i was watching tv and a promo came on TV and it was you and Alex with Dax and Kristen Bell. Mm -hmm. And you guys were promoting your new cooking show. That's funny. <laughs> it was a good promo. And I turned to Danica in the dream and I was like, did they get, how come they didn't tell us about the cooking show? And she's like, they told, they said, I knew about the cooking show. I'm like, man, I'm like, that's awesome. I didn't know they had a cooking show. It was a nice promo. I was like, I wonder if Shane cut his promo. <laughs> well, th if it was this year, the promo, I would have. Next year, I'd get somebody awesome to actually cut the promo. <laughs> Do a good job of it hopefully it's a uh, it's a vision of the future but uh let's get to some questions for uh matt savelli as max calls them smart people questions uh mm -hmm. there was a big piece in the uh the globe and mail about um school going forward and the idea of people keeping kids home sort of the separation of education uh, teaching in pods at home which will sort of like uh you know uh, uh deepen the divide and sort of like uh, be detrimental in some ways to the public school uh, system because the more kids you take out, the head counts, it can it can mess with things. Uh, this also pertains, obviously, Matt, your professor at uh, at Mac, and there's no there's no asses and seats, right? It's all virtual uh, this semester. For the most part, there there are a couple programs where they have some like limited in person stuff. So you know, nursing would be an example where there's just there are some things you simply can't do virtually. But yeah, ninety. 7% of the, the universities online. So I guess the, the first question I'd have is, do you think that it is, it is just as effective a way to teach as being in person? I am going to try to be diplomatic uh, in my answer because, of course, this is, this is what we're doing. Um, no, I mean, on the whole, I don't, I don't think so. I think that teaching at its best is, is really interactive. I mean, you can see in this conversation when we're talking – this like just the slightest lag. What we're seeing is not actually each other, but like digitally modulated versions of each other. Um, and there's something about being able to make eye contact with someone. And this is the weird thing about online is that you know you can never actually make eye contact because if you're looking into your camera, you can't see the screen, and sort of vice versa. So it's it's not going to be as effective, I think, in most ways. Um, but I think where it might benefit students is they're going to be able to manage their time a little bit more. Mm. Yeah, less commuting, I guess. Well, less commuting, but also most classes aren't even going to be live. So they're kind of like pre-recorded lectures that you can download, watch at your, you know, at your own pace. So we'll see. When it comes to these pre-recorded lectures, how, how are you doing those? And are they a pain in the ass? 
Um, I know the answer to the second part, but yeah, but I just want you to say it. <laughs> they're a pain in the ass because I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Um, and actually, Max, I don't know if you remember, a couple months ago, I got you to send me like a, a kind of a format sheet from a podcast because oh, yeah. I had no idea how to record anything online. Um, so what I've done is I've basically f- like forced my TAs, my teaching assistants, to kind of do like a mini pod with me because it's really awkward to just talk at a at a screen with no one there. So they sort of are answering questions or asking me questions. Um, but I would say, you know, for like a 20 minute piece of, of content, probably took an hour to record. And then several more hours because we have to caption them legally. They have to be captioned um, for accessibility reasons. Yeah, on Twitter, I'm just seeing a lot of, I think this might pertain a little bit more to the public schools, um, but it'd be interesting to get your take on what's happening in the universities. It, it, there's so much unknown, every, all protocols are just very new right now. Does it feel like it's organized? And I know if you would follow the Bruce Arthurs of the world or any sort of uh, critic or advocate of, of school and education and public health, they'd go, oh, this is a nightmare and COVID numbers are going through the roof. And um, does it seem like things at McMaster are sort of on the right track as best they can? or, or And what are the difficulties? Yeah, I mean, things are going as best they can. Um, it's sort of interesting, right? Because like universities are pretty segmented. So, um, you know, every faculty kind of operates according to its own principles. Um, and, and that comes out of like this long tradition of trying to respect academic freedom. And that's nice that they try to keep that up. The problem is, I think, <clears throat> from a, you know, from the student's perspective, there's like nine different platforms that are being used. Every class is being run in a slightly different way. So, so people are kind of confused. Like, do I go to Zoom? Do I go to Teams? Do I go to WebEx? Uh, and so on and so on and so on. So I think that's sort of been the struggle. I mean, I've talked to colleagues at other universities. McMaster seems pretty well organized. But there's going to be, you know, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be fuck ups. Um, like Mike, when you were talking about appearing on cam with your with your shirt off at the Raptors game, yeah, like, I'm just I'm just waiting to see what happens like that this year. <laughs> <laughs> there was a there was a summer class that I taught online, and 100 percent. At one point, there was someone who was having sex. There's no doubt about it in my mind. <laughs> And you can hear that. But, so it's a sex uh, education class. Basically. Uh, but like those sorts of things, um, I think could be could be problematic. Like if you have 200 people in a, in a room together, in a Zoom room together, how, you know, I don't know how you know where the noise is coming from. I don't know what actions you might mm. take. Oh, that, that actually, that kept happening on the Raptors game where they didn't want you to have your game on in the background. So someone in our section would have it on. And then everyone's like, turn your TV off, turn your TV. And then it's like everyone in our section is trying to get that person to turn the TV off, which is that thing you're talking about where 200 people on a call, how do you isolate the person that's got the, the noise interference or whatever it is? But, but when somebody you're trying to teach and someone's having sex in the background, do you ignore <laughs> it? Or are you like, hey, who's ever making those panting noises of ecstasy? If you could please stop. Uh, I mean, not, not quite so directly, but sort of just remind people Oh, you know, I think someone protection? has muted their microphone. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the weirdest part, I'm pretty sure I know who it was too, actually. But <laughs> I can't can't confront that person about it. Um, yeah, but you politely say, oh, please make sure you're muted. That That's all you can do. I mean, the other thing that I'm really worried about, and, you know, my girlfriend told me I was overthinking this, but... You know, so for these classes, we basically post a link, and anyone who has the link can then join the Zoom room. But if you have got a lot of, I'm going to be frank, a lot of young women gathered in one room, I feel like the same kind of guy who like flashes someone on the subway mm. is gonna is gonna want to take advantage of that because the the consequences are so minimal. You know, if you're if you're like an <laughs> exhibitionist in Belgium or something. <laughs> You really have thought about this. You have a specific place. You have a, <laughs> and your name is Marco, and you get on this call. So, 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 it, it, your fear is that uh, uh, somebody who would do that could get the link, even though they're not a student or anything like that. They just jump on this call. They know there's a whole audience, and then they can terrorist flash it. It's a terrorist yeah. flasher. 
Yeah. yeah, or I mean, or just start screaming or broadcast something super, super, super disturbing. Mm. Um, and again, if, if you're one instructor, like you're one professor and you have a room of a couple hundred people, you can't moderate what's going on in every person's screen or necessarily mute every microphone. So, so those are the things I'm worried about. And admittedly, like probably too worried. Um, but, you know, I think we've otherwise figured things out. What courses are you teaching this semester? Uh, I've got two mental health classes, uh, one sort of introduction to health studies course, and then um, I teach a course that's very ambiguously titled called Global Challenges, where we just talk about <laughs> anything in the world that we think is complicated and significant. You know, this year, obviously, we'll talk about the pandemic a fair bit. I think students, though, are going to be overwhelmed. They're going to be happy to hear about anything that is not the pandemic. Uh, Savels, what's the um, what's the vibe of the students? Because I know at first, like, you know, there was a bit of an uproar that people were paying the same tuition, but they're not actually going to a physical building. What's the vibe now from the student uh, body? Yeah, I mean, so it's a good question. It's pretty mixed. So there are people who are really upset about those things. And there are logical reasons that they actually are paying the same tuition, but they're complicated. So, for instance, we've had to pay for all sorts of online, like, licenses to run these programs we had to hire a ton of technical support you know a lot of the money that people pay goes towards say new buildings like the mortgage payments on those buildings or, or not the mortgage payments but like the construction costs don't disappear just because we're online at the same time i get that frustration because there are people who think about it like a service and they'd say well you know i i'm paying for a service that i didn't want or i didn't expect um, so, I mean, there is some frustration around that. I think students are, are worried about how they're going to manage all of these like different moving parts and how that goes together. Um, but also there are a lot of really bored people who are excited to have something to do, right? Because the, the other big story for students is that all of their jobs dried up and disappeared. Uh. So most of them have had absolutely nothing to do since April. And I think they're kind of excited to come back. Erica, do you have any questions for the prof? Yeah, I have a couple. First question. Um, <laughs> did you get a new tattoo? <laughs> Can you show? I, I did get a, a new tattoo. What upside is down here. It is George Harrison from the Beatles in his Yellow Submarine era. Um, it's a great tattoo. I ran into you the day you got that tattoo. You oh. did run into me. It was outside the tattoo parlor, in fact. That's a big one. How much did it cost? <laughs> uh, I think it was about 400 Oh, that's not bad. No, that's pretty good. Do you tip Probably your really tattoo artist? And if so, how much? Yeah, so I actually asked someone about this because this is the first tattoo I got in Canada. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't sure sort of what the rules were here because, you know, tipping cultures are different everywhere. Uh, I think I tipped him 100 bucks. Nice. Mm. That's good. I don't know. What, 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 what do you do? I yeah. usually do 20%. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been about a hundred bucks. Yeah. Another question. Um, another <laughs> tattoo related question. Will this pandemic or this new mode of teaching encourage you to go move to the onion farm and take up life there? What onion farm? I don't know about the onion farm. Uh, Erica has, a, for some reason, like a strangely detailed knowledge and understanding of my tattoos. So I have, a, <laughs> oh, I have yeah. an onion tattoo. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's the story with the onion? Like, because you're you have layers to you. It's not that. I'm, I'm, May I? I am a very pretentious person, but like not quite that pretentious. Uh, yeah, Erica, you have an answer. I'm I'm curious to hear. So he has the onion tattoo because he was one time gifted this onion farm. So it's a reminder that he can at any time he can just pick up from his like doctor prof lifestyle and go live a simpler lifestyle in Europe somewhere and just live on the onion farm and like be off the grid and like have a completely different life. Was this a Christmas gift or how do you get <laughs> the onion farm? <laughs> uh, it, it was a wedding gift, in fact. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, to be clear, not a not like a uh, pre-developed onion farm. It was kind of a useless piece of land somewhere in central Serbia where I was told <laughs> I was told it was good for growing onions but and, and is the land in your name or who who's who owns this land 
No, no, it's my best in my best friend's name because if you you know if you affix it to a foreigner, suddenly because there's a lot of corruption there, taxes can go through the roof. Someone's mm-hmm. going to turn up asking for money to make sure I don't know pipes still run there. All things I don't want to deal with. What's the closest you've come to saying "fuck it"? I'm going to the onion farm. When they announced that we'd be teaching online this semester. Mm, thought so. See? Yeah. And that's a great way to wrap up this little <laughs> chat. Uh, thank you, Matt. Uh, that was a good out. Yeah. Savelle, thanks for your time, man. And all the best uh, this semester and going forward. And hopefully, uh, I don't know, things clear up in time and things get back to whatever the new normal is. We shall see. Uh, cheers, guys. Nice chatting with you. Bye. See you, buddy. See ya. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. All right, moving on. Our next topic is going to be the film Boys State, uh, which Max messaged the uh, <laughs> the pod crew a couple nights ago, and he said, everybody watch this pod homework, period. Uh, it is on Apple TV if you do want to see it, but it is, uh, it's a fascinating documentary about this sort of like... Um, faux political like uh, exercise it's uh, with all of these teenagers in texas basically they go through like um um exactly what would happen they sort of take all of these kids it's like hundreds of kids and they separate them into two parties federalists nationalists uh these fictitious parties and then they basically have them elect people within their own parties and then they have a general election where the whole sort of student body uh votes and it's sort of this way to teach you uh how elections work in the state of texas how the, the, the sort of the mechanics of politics uh how people sort of get elected the sort of the 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 mechanism behind the scenes in order to get people elected the all of those things so it's you they follow sort of these four characters these these teenagers in texas as they go through this uh process and uh max what was it that jumped out to you and why were you so determined to get all of us to watch it just because you wanted to chat about it on the pod yeah well i thought it was a really uh well done documentary and uh, i thought it also kind of spoke to the times because you know politics is uh, on top of everyone's mind right now and I, well first of all shane did you watch it yeah Oh, you did? Okay, fantastic. I didn't know you. No, I watched it uh, late last night at about midnight, and then I watched it early this morning at about 6 a.m. Oh, so you watched it twice? No, uh, sorry. I oh. had to split it into two halves. Okay, cool. Eric, yeah, but to- uh, I cried at the end. I thought it was a very emotional, affecting documentary. Okay, well, okay. This, and Erica, did you see it? Did you have a chance? I'm so sorry, no. That's okay. All good. Okay, so um, I loved the way it was shot i was also really curious to know how they managed to find these four boys that they really zeroed in on given that there was 1100 kids at this week-long convention i thought a lot about the mechanics uh, of just the dock itself and you there's a couple dock tricks that you could tell were happening i don't know shane if you could see some of the seams in a couple of like the rearranging of when certain (laughs) things happened yeah. Yeah. Well, I just thought, okay, they they let it play out the way it does, and then they retroactively act like they're getting them from the beginning of their journey when really they've they've already known the how the story plays out, and then they go back and recreate and it. do the interviews. So they do the interviews, acting like they're starting them at the beginning of their journey when really it, they've already gone through the process. But there's a couple scenes, uh, not to get too far in the weeds here, where they're they're, they're finding uh, who's the kid who runs, um, and uh, not to give it away, but uh, yes, Stephen, the, the Mexican kid, Stephen, uh, Steve Garza, yeah, yeah, Steve. They found they catch him getting off the bus, right? So they do. There are moments in the beginning where it would have been hard for them to know as documentary makers who the who the main characters are going to be so there are there are they did catch but you some. just film everyone getting off the bus and then right? you go back and, and get that footage like, yeah i see i see um oh yeah so as uh as a film um yeah let's keep talking about just the merits of it not on the politics side but just as like a piece of mm-hmm. art uh what were you mike what were your favorite parts about it because i like hearing you two dissect what makes something good yeah, I think like like right off the top, you have compelling characters. Uh, ben, I'm forgetting his last name, but sort of the the real uh, puppet master uh, of of the crew. He's 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 like um, he's an amputee. Right off the top, that's a compelling character. You have the comic foil in uh, Rob uh, McDougal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like Rob. As I was watching him, like Shane's gonna find Rob because I couldn't stop laughing at Rob. I just enjoyed. He reminded me of people that some people we went to high school with who were kind of like charismatic and they seem like 
good dudes and it's like they say things that they <laughs> think are profound but they're not quite that profound mm-hmm. like i was just in they just found very strong characters and like the steve garza you just you immediately are rooting for him and there's sort of like this warmth and genuine sort of thing that that comes off the screen as you go along and i thought it's very interesting that eddie his opponent he ended up facing in the general didn't really get introduced until halfway through the film right it was it was kind mm-hmm. of a fascinating move mm-hmm. the ben character sort of the man behind eddie was um ended up being more of a central character. But yeah, I just thought it was a great doc, compelling characters. Uh, it, it's like a sports movie. So you have this structure where there's going to be a payoff. There's going to be a winner. There's going to be a loser. So it's kind of like this. And it's this thing that I didn't know about that takes place that this huge undertaking. So it's kind of like as a doc subject, it's like revelatory in the fact that it's like, I didn't know this sort of thing happened. Then you have your compelling characters and then you have a built-in sort of plot mechanism, which means there's going to be a winner, a loser, a payoff, a buildup and all that stuff. And I just thought, yeah, I thought it was great. I, me and Danica watched it after the Reco. And uh, yeah, like Shane said, like it was very, very, very emotional at the end. Like uh, there were some tears in the old. Uh, Did Danica you know, like it? Yes, absolutely. She ended up looking up all the kids on Instagram afterward. Like she's like, what are they up to me now? Too. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, that were, those are my thoughts. Shaney, what were you what were you thinking? Yeah, I thought um, it was kind of a transcendent movie. And the, those are the best kind when you get into something you're not interested in at all like a, there's like a race car movie like i don't give a shit about formula one but if the story's good enough i can really get invested in the characters and cry if a guy loses a race you know and it was like this i'm not a political guy but i really got into the it, it's just fascinating how they created the microcosm in this society and it, it, it's so fitting for just ha- how it is when you're an actual politician and then the the mini victories and the the mini losses and the strategies along the way it's all fascinating to really get into the weeds and to see the behind the scenes of people admitting things that you'd never admit in real life because the stakes are lower they can actually say to the camera i don't actually believe in abortion but i'm going to this is going to be my stance because they're not going to get in massive trouble or anything or they're so naive they know that they can actually be honest to the camera so it was cool to get, uh, if it is a microcosm, it's cool to see, oh, this is what real politicians are thinking and doing, but not saying necessarily or telling us. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. Yeah, it was really interesting um, how you can just imagine all these 17-year-old boys as adults running in politics. Like It really felt like the Ben character really seemed like that maniacal mastermind who'll do anything to win. And, and he was like basically... Um, planting stories about his opponents oh, yeah. that were untrue and 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 he was and he had no shame about it and then you see um you know the steven the main character who just seemed to be like a genuine guy who just was really interested in lifting up people uh of all backgrounds and and there's as you said there's a warmth that comes from him that was just so attractive and and then you see his the, his opponent who's just like a conventionally like good he looked looking like sean mendez it was like politician sean yeah, mendez he, bro guy and remember, he was, he was like, what's your best attribute, Eddie? He's like, my abs. You know, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think but- Eddie was kidding, though. I think that was his plan to tell a joke there because he was very smart. He was they, they likened him to Ben Shapiro. Yeah, totally. And I did feel like he, he had like stances and stats. And no, I thought he had more substance than uh, good old Rob McDougal, who I genuinely enjoyed. Rob McDougal was the guy that you're talking about where he's like, he gets up and he gives a speech and he's like, he's like, we need to be pro-life because these little babies, they need to grow up. There's 30, for every baby born, there's 30 families that want to adopt them. So let them have life. Then it cuts to the interview and he's like, listen, I'm pro-choice, but I can't say that here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, yeah, I, I, you know, it's so funny. It's like how sophisticated these 17-year-olds are at playing the political game and how, like you said, Max, unashamed they are of like sort of like uh, 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 unethical tactics is re- revelatory. But also I found it kind of depressing because I'm like, this is just, it's the way it goes and it's like everybody seems like rubes and marks and it's all just about how you can manipulate it to get your guy in and i get that that's the way it's always been it's just never been so blatantly naked before uh which i do find fascinating but also the movie did make me depressed in in a lot of ways i think the one character we haven't mentioned yet who i found to be the most compelling and the most interesting was renee Renee. oh my goodness what a star and it really spoke to like well, his intelligence. So this is a kid who's from, I think, Chicago originally, and then he moved to Texas, and he's black and probably gay, and but so 
whip smart. That the way that guy could string together sentences, I was like, who is this? Is a character out of a movie. This is the most charismatic actor, just like delivering one-liners again and again and again, like off the top of his head. And I was like so impressed by Renee, and it really said something. And I actually, Mike, you just said you're sort of depressed by the way like these kids you know, are like kind of turning it on for some things that they don't even necessarily believe in and, and how they can get really engaged in these stupid battles uh, over politics. And and I, and I get that. I found the Renee arc to be interesting in that here's a kid who doesn't look like really anybody else there and is from a different place. But because he was compelling and appealed, uh, I think, to their better angels in a lot of ways, um, and, and, and spoke to sort of optimism and hope and was different. The fact that he still got voted in by a 500 other like white kids from Texas, I thought that was kind of inspiring. That, that if the message is presented in the right way with heart, um, you know, you can get somewhere. And I thought Renee. Well, same, same with Steve and same, and same with, with Steve. Same, same yeah. with Steve for sure. Yeah. It, it was almost like standing out was a pro here because you had to uh, differentiate yourself from the pack. So you think Texas would be very biased, but it was like quite the opposite. They liked the people who actually made them feel like they were making a compassionate choice. Like the guy from Steve was from Mexico and his story really resonated with that crowd of kids from Texas. It did. Uh, what I did find fascinating was although they voted Renee in initially, they did try to impeach him. You know, it's like the the, 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 the sort yeah. of racism. I think that was a joke. I think though. that there was, there was a group no, of the party that genuinely wanted him out and thought that he was like ruining things. That's why they started the, the Instagram account and all that stuff. And then the hilarious part was when they finally bring the impeachment to a vote and they got a room full of like 300 kids or whatever uh renee's like you know what if you guys want to impeach me i'll bring the motion forward everybody stand up and like you know if you get a majority he'll step down and like 12 kids stood up and that's when he had that great line max where he's like okay yeah. 12 well i don't know what you're gonna do with that i guess you could start an intramural basketball team and everybody like explodes <laughs> like oh you know but um yeah but then again like renee and steve one of the things that ben did was he sort of got it you know, the vulnerabilities, you know, uh, Steve marching in the mm -hmm. uh, March for Our Lives about gun control and stuff like that. Like, they, I, I, and that's what I say where I get kind of like, I'm I'm in awe at how sophisticated they are at sort of the manipulation of, 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 of politics and how they play that game. But the thing that made me almost more depressed is it's like, this isn't just kids, like to, to Shane's point and your point, Max, like this, that's what's going on now with adults. You know, it's the game doesn't change. It's the exact same, you know? And I, I guess that's inspiring because to your point, Max, for as many bad actors there are, people that are doing things in poor faith, there's probably inspiring people that want to do the good. It's just, it, lately, it doesn't seem like those people are, are rising to the top. Mm -hmm. It seems like they are getting defeated um, at the expense of people, you know, with these sort of like smear tactics and sort of like um, playing unfair. Um, for context, everybody, th this was shot uh, 2017, I want to say. So it's a recent documentary. And they, and you get to learn the history of this event, the Boy State in Texas. And there's been a lot of political figures uh, that participated as teenagers. So I think Dick Cheney and uh, other other major political figures went to Bill this Clinton, camp. Bill Clinton, Dick Cheney. Uh, yeah, Bill they had Clinton. a bunch of people. Yeah. In there, yeah. And they, um, I think the filmmakers uh, um, had never even heard about this. But then they, but I think the year before, the Boy State... Um, I think the, um, the platform was let's succeed, secede from America. Yeah. So these filmmakers were like, what? Okay. What is going on in Texas? Like there's this model UN thing that happens down there where it's like fake government and these kids decided to not even be a part of the country. Okay. This is interesting and weird. Let's go there and check it out. And then they came out with these incredible kids. I liked, uh, one thing that really showed the age of the kids where you do realize it's like, okay, in some ways they're sophisticated and in other ways they are just like teenage boys is when they're like bringing forward motions to vote on, but they're like, the stupidest things like they're actually like they just want to get up and then put a motion for that they know is going to get laughs from their pals like you do in class yeah, yeah. and then so there's like 10 of those stupid motions like i think we need burgers all the time could i pass that motion that's not one of them but that's an example of something like that and then a guy gets up <laughs> and he's like well guys i just want to say that like i think we should be really passing real motions and we're wasting our time doing all this and then everybody starts booing them in the like in the assembly like <laughs> in congress or oh man that was yeah it's like it's it's a cool doc like it, it's it's fascinating for sure so just to, to wrap it up do you ultimately find the doc inspiring and uplifting or or something else maxi i'll start with you um yes and no kind of what i was saying earlier where i was like i was i 
I was inspired by Steven, inspired by Renee, inspired by the idea that a bunch of like white kids from Texas would vote those kids in and Steven even had a fighting chance. That really uh, gave me hope. But then also there's a, that kid, Ben, who I found to be so unlikable, who was going to do anything, lie, uh, cheat to, to, to make his a candidate win. And I, I was like, okay, well, there's also that out there. So a little bit of both. Shaney? Oh, it kind of just confirms your beliefs of things you thought about politics before. So I was inspired by the fact that the movie was made so well. And uh, like that gave me hope for just future documentaries like this. Mm-hmm. Um, quick spoiler alert. So you can skip ahead by a minute here. But um, when Stephen loses the uh, the election and everybody's coming up to him and saying how inspired uh, they were by him. And then when that guy is crying... And then Steven's holding it together the whole time. And then he sits down and he calls his mom. Like, did everybody just like break down at that point? Like, yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's the moment because he says, I'm not crying because I lost. I'm crying because all my constituents are supporting me. So yeah, well. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a line. What a fucking line. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Okay, Boys State on Apple TV, if you're you're into that sort of thing, or if you're not, like Shane said, it's an it's a, it's a excellently made movie, even if you're not into politics. Eric, are you going to watch it now or what? Yeah. Sounds really good. Great reviews. <laughs> I love I love a good doc. I don't love like um I don't love like fiction, but I love a good doc record. Okay. Yeah. Our, our next topic is toxic positivity. Uh there was a piece in the Washington Post and the crux of the article is essentially saying that, you know, and this is sort of more pronounced during pandemic times, but the idea that everything's going to be okay. We always tell each other like, um, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Or if you're feeling a little bit down, it's like, listen, it could be worse. Like what you have is pretty good. So, you know, this idea that you're blocking your ability to, to, to process negative feelings by just trying to wallpaper over it always and being like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. This is uh, sort of what they posit toxic positivity is and how it can actually be detrimental to all of our process uh, when it comes to sort of dealing with hardship or adversity. Um, yeah, Max, again, there's another article that you sent to the group. What's, what stood out to you about this? Well, it got me thinking about two things. One, um, I think of myself as a positive person and I start to wonder, am I that annoying guy? And I've actually been accused of that uh, by Lauren and other close friends where it's like, can you just like fuck off for one second and just like let me be in a bad mood? Because it's my instinct often to go, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Like look at the bright side, you know, big picture. We got it so good. Um, And yeah, I was was just thinking about um, who... Who does a good job of guiding guiding you through difficult times in your life? Like, who? What's the kind of temperament and the voice that you like to have around? Because I do think optimism is important, and I do think uh, reflecting on on the good stuff when you're in the shit is an, is an important exercise because it gives you some perspective. But uh, yeah, I just don't know exactly what the right balance is um, because it's, and I think it's different for everybody. So, so that's why, why I was interested in, in this particular subject. Cause I was thinking about myself and how I interact and try to lead and how that might be annoying for some people. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah. um, Shane, and it, what, what do you think is like the perfect balance for reckoning with, with the mood of the day when, when it, when it's, when it's hard? Yeah. I'm kind of like you, Max. I, I like when Alex was pregnant, for example, she was saying how scared she was to give birth. And I was like, Alex, listen, you're a beast. You were made to give birth. Like you just have the perfect body for birthing. <laughs> like honestly, it's gonna it's gonna be so easy for you. You have like this perfect shape to you. And uh, she was just so offended by that. Um, and she just <laughs> she was just like, could you acknowledge that it's going to be hard and it's gonna hurt? And I was like, oh, sorry. I, I'm telling you the things that I would like to hear for me to put my mind at ease. So sometimes all we do is we want to give the advice that we'd want to hear because some, you know, you hear treat people the way you'd want to be treated, but you have to treat everyone different too, especially if you know the person. And then it's like, okay, I have to kind of change to what this person, to what I know what this person likes to hear and forget what I would want to hear. So in my life, I find Mike is very good at that. So if I'm like, eh, this is bullshit and let's just say some random thing at work happened. He'll be like, oh, yeah, that fucking sucks. And we'll both vent and and he'll acknowledge the, the situation I'm in. And then we'll look at the bright side after the fact. And then I find that to be the best method where if with Alex, I was like, 
oh, it's going to it's going to be so bad for such a short period of time. And it sucks that you're in this position and you have to give birth. And I feel for you, but it's going to be over before you know it. And you're going to be so happy after the pain. If I approached it that way, I feel like it, w- it would have been a better method. Yeah. Um, it is interesting because it's like it's it's two ways. It's like how how do you comfort and how do you want to be comforted? Um, and it, what Shane said is like, that's like, that's something that, that if I'm dealing with, like talking with a friend or, or Danico or whatever, what I'm doing is actually my process, which is just like, I, I like, I confront the reality of whatever the negative thing is. And I try to intellectualize it. And I like, I let the shitty feelings happen. Like I let it, I sort of like, I let it all in. I don't deny it to myself. Um, and then I, I go from there and try to find the positives but sometimes that period like the letting it wash over you that depending on how severe whatever you were dealing with is that can take a long time like that can be like no i just need to feel like shit right now for a bit and i'll get there like trust me i'll get there i i always do um and so i i would say like danica obviously you know she knows exactly where that is with me where she's like i just need to let mike go be pissed off for a bit and then I'll know when he's ready to sort of like, and I always, I always come back. I always eventually be like, as mad as I can get about something, I'll essentially be like, like, okay, think about this, take a step back. I'm pretty good at like self-governing that. And she's good at that. What does annoy me is like someone who needs whatever, whatever I need out of my friends. Um, and I think, I think Shane is, is also really good at this. I'm actually good at this too, but I don't like fake, like um, fake positivity or platitudes, or if it just sounds like bullshit to keep the, the, the things moving along. Cause sometimes people are like, mm-hmm. it's going to be fine. It's cause they actually just don't want to have the conversation. And it's like, that's okay. If you don't want to have the conversation, but don't just tell me it's going to be fine. So we can just talk about some, like move to the next thing on the, the, the list on the agenda. So it's like, in, in that case, it's like that to me is the person who's like receiving whatever it is that I get out of a partner. It's like, don't just like, kind of like sweep it away. It's like, we're either talking about this or we're not. And that, and that's okay too. So that that's what I find. It's like I don't I don't like the it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. If I don't if I don't if I feel mm-hmm. like we're just trying to move things along. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think that's an important distinction is that if what you're saying is authentic, the person should be able to read that, oh, there's so much truth in what they're saying. And I think maybe Max, where you run into a problem is you're just you'll blanket it and be like, no. Nah. It's okay. It's fine. Eh, it'll blow over. And it's just like you do do that sweeping motion rather than actually pinpoint the problem and why it's going to be fine to actually explain the truth and why it's going to be fine. Yeah. I also think an issue that I have is I, I, so you're saying that Danica knows you just have to go through like 15 minutes of being a crazy person and then you will come back to earth. I, I'm so bad at realizing that 15 minutes has to happen because I, I, I think of myself as a problem solver and I want people to be happy immediately. So I just, so I annoyingly attack, no, 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 come on, no, no, it's fine. No, seriously, just think about like, blah, blah, blah. And then, and so sometimes it's just like, no, you have to fuck off, Max. Let them do their 15 minutes of just being unhappy. And then they'll, they'll come back on their own. You know, you know what I mean? And that, that most people can come back on their own. And I always forget that. I need, I need to do a better job yeah. of just like letting, People be, sit with negative emotions for a But bit. Max, so what about when you have negative emotions? What's the best way to sort of deal with you? Because you do have them. I, I think it is rare. I think you are a very positive person. But I, I see when you get into a funk sometimes. What what helps you? Yeah, I think... Um Problems. I think problem solving is is really helpful for me, and and people like Ash is is, is great with this, and Lauren is too. They're they're both like uh, really helpful when it, when I'm in a a pissed off state. Um, but I, I but I I will uh, simmer in negativity occasionally as well. But I think just like finding a path is really important for me. Is is like walking through. Okay, this is going to happen. Then this is going to happen, and then this is going to happen, and in three easy steps. We're going to be back and we're going to be good. Um, and also, I think I like, I actually enjoy hearing the perspective. Ash does this sometimes where if I'm pissed off about something, she'll be like, hey, listen, like big picture, we're, we're killing it. We're doing this thing really, really well. And I know that's frustrating, but like, look how good we have it right now. Like this is, you don't, we don't have to be mad. This is actually all things considered, we're in an amazing spot. And that, and that conversation has happened a bunch of times in 2020 when it comes to just being frustrated about, you know, our workflow with our Kells because nobody in the music industry is working. And then you step back and you go, oh, you know, it, it could definitely could be worse. But um, I do I do appreciate when people 
can kind of walk me through. Because I think ultimately what's happening when people are in a bad spot is that it's just like hazy. It's like you're kind of walking through uh, like a fog and you can't see exactly where you're going. And that is just like a frustrating feeling for everybody. Erica, how about you? How do you process these things? What's the best way to handle you when you're you're in a, in a mood? <laughs> No, I agree with you, Mike. I think like the wallowing phase for myself is very important. I have to just like get it all out. And I think a lot of people, it's very important. Like that 15 minutes you're talking about, Max, where you just kind of like stand back, let them do their thing. It's it's like crucial for me getting over said thing. If I just sweep everything under the rug, it's bound to come back, you know, bite me in the bite me in the ass. So yeah, that's very important. Get it all out of your system. Feel what you're feeling as you're feeling it in real time. And yeah, like you said, Mike, like you'll always bounce back. If you have a good support system, good people to lean on, people you trust where you can you can vent to these people and you know they're not going to like hold it against you or they're not going to turn around from a conversation and be like, wow, that's a really like Erica's a really negative person. She only focuses on the negative, whatever. Like you need to have people you can trust where you can like, you know, talk honestly and openly and they're not going to hold anything against you kind of thing. And if you have that, you'll the be The one fine. thing I'll say though, in defense of like, uh, po- toxic positivity is that I find, and depending on the groups of people that are together, I think generally in our speaking, in our group, we have like a very like emotionally equipped friends to like have difficult conversations. So I wouldn't say this is the case with with my immediate circle, but it is easy for one person who's going through a negative uh, experience to talk and bounce an idea off another person who's just uh, whose starting point is sort of pessimistic. And then like, oh, those two people hang out together. That is a fucking nightmare. And I've seen that happen in a variety of settings where I'm like, oh, that's the worst person so-and-so needs to be talking to right now. And so I think I overcompensate because I'm like, okay, I know that this person's probably going to be getting bad advice from four different people. <laughs> so I'm going to try to bring some perspective mm-hmm. to the situation on the other end. Yeah, it's just about finding balance, right? Yeah. Because th- that what you're talking about on the other end is toxic pessimism. So anything yeah. that's yep. toxic isn't good, right? But I think it's let's not not acknowledge the people's negative feelings mm-hmm. and that, hey, there this is a shitty situation. However, you'll get out of it and here's how. It's just when I think you can feel very ignored if someone's like, oh, no, that'll be fine. Trust me, I went through a breakup. Give it a month. People want to mm-hmm. be like, this is the worst time and they want to hear how bad it is yeah and then hear hear the good stuff you know and typically like when i'm talking to people like from the arkells platform i i try to keep things as positive and optimistic as possible like let's say like our tweets or whatever just and i do that as a response to all the garbage that you see on twitter and the negativity on twitter and i'm just like you know what i kind of like it when i see a positive tweet or an optimistic view on things that that actually helps me. So, if, so if our Kells can do that and that, and that's a service that we kind of offer to people amidst a sea of bullshit, then I think that's a, a good thing. But to your point, Shane, th- uh, lately I, I, it feels appropriate and feels true to say, Guys, from the Arkells, like 2020 has been a hard year. It's been a difficult year for a lot of different reasons. And, and it, and we're all going through this together. And, and then, and then usually that'll be my starting point. And then I'll try to kind of edge back towards a positive perspective, but uh, acknowledging the hardness uh, is something that I've tried to do more recently because it's unavoidable. Mm-hmm. True that. Um, interesting article though, Max, good find. Um, Cause I don't think I would have came across that. Uh, I think Ash uh, sent that along. So credit Props to Ash. To Ash uh, as always. Shaney, do we have a Shaney surprise this week? Sure. Yeah, we could. I've got two. I'm kind of kicking around. Uh, Flip a coin. The app. Do you want to talk about Raya, Erica? Or no? <laughs> up to you. Okay, up to you. Do you guys know about Raya? I, I've heard of it. I've heard of it. So it's like a dating app for celebs. And it's like an elite secret dating app. But there, Erica was bringing this up to me. And... Um, I was talking to a guy on the the Bachelor, and apparently he was on Raya, and we were trying to get Erica on it somehow because you need to be vetted by a blue check mark mm. person, <laughs> and then then they look at your picture, and I guess if you uh, pass the requirements, you can get in. 
So why didn't you, you come to both... me about this? Why didn't <laughs> this you is, come this to what me? We're doing now. I'm a blue check mark. Okay, let's, what, let's get so, it. So Eric and I talked about it. They've clearly sure come to the end of the road, and now now this is where you step in, Max, and get her on Raya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't sure if she was kidding or not, but I was like, oh, we should talk to the guys about it on the pod. So you guys are both blue check mark people, but I think you would have to sign up for Raya, get oh. approved, and okay. then. Invite. Get Erica in and vet for her. So you would almost have to pretend you're single. I love this. <laughs> but, but apparently it's very tricky. They look down at reality stars. I know that because I was talking to Blake Horstman. And he said he's still on the waiting list. And he's been on the waiting list for eight months. But I, wow. think, I think you, Max, would actually have a really good shot. Because I feel like musicians are looked at in a high regard on Rhea. Hmm. Okay, let me run but it by Lauren. Let, let me see what's up. Yeah. Okay, this is exciting. This is for this is for this the good of our friends, you know, happiness and relationships. You, you know, Erica, I'm doing this. Max, for you. what are you gonna do when January Jones DMs you and asks uh, to come up and spend some time in Hamilton? It's gonna be called bargaining power with Lauren. That's, that's what. <laughs> <laughs> and if you called. were single, would you go on an app like Raya? I, I, I'm, I probably would have to because. Like I'm in enough guys' um, profile pics on Bumble and Hinge. There is so many. I started (laughs) screenshotting a whole bunch because it was getting ridiculous. (laughs) I feel like guys think that it's like cool to like pose with Max Kerman. Why is it not, Erica? (laughs) It's super cool. It's like super cool, but it's (laughs) it's just such a thing. Like everyone has a photo with you on their dating profile. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, so I don't think I could be with the plebs, is what I'm saying. Like, if <laughs> yeah, can I say plebs? What about, what about, I don't even know what plebs means, but you get it. Yeah, so. normies, I guess. Uh, what do you um, think, Mike? Would you want to go on an app like Raya? Uh, like yeah, assuming I'm single. Mm-hmm. Listen, okay, so let's say that I'm single and I have you know a blue check mark, which again is ridiculous. I don't even have a blue check mark, thanks to. Max Ash, whoever did that a long time ago. But if I'm single and that blue check mark can get me onto Rhea, when it's like I really like I'm not famous, I'm not wealthy or anything like that. What a way to get into that circle. Like that would be hilarious. How yeah. funny would that be if we could like if all of a sudden I was on Rhea and I'm DMing with like I will just use her January Jones. You know what I mean? Like that just for the stories alone, I would absolutely uh, do it for yeah, I would absolutely do it. Would you do it, Cheney? Well, I would, but I feel like it would be very humiliating because the way Blake was describing it, he was saying if you're like a middling celebrity, it's very hard to get into that upper echelon of celebrities you'd actually want to date if you're a man. Mm. But he said if you're a woman and you're just not even famous at all, you can actually date these big celebrities much easier, these bigger male celebrities. Ah. So Erica, who do you who would you want to date? Reality stars, hockey players, or are you actually shooting for that upper echelon? Like Leo. You mentioned Timothy Chalamet, which piques a large interest within Mm me. Um, Within you. (laughs) You know, we'll have to see what what it's all about. Okay, Erica. Erica, Timothy Chalamet or Austin Matthews? Um, uh, Probably Timothy Chalamet, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. But I feel like there's more like athletes probably than like A-list actors, you know? So... Because if you're an A-list actor, why would you need the the dating site? You think your problem would be the abundance is already coming at you too right, much, right? Of opportunities. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Could could have resulted in some good pod stories, you know? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll mm-hmm. uh, Shane. We'll set it up. Let's do it. Shane, you're on the da- you're on Raya. Uh, Brie Larson or January Jones? See, I follow January on Instagram. She seems a little unhinged or something, though. <laughs> Doesn't she seem strange? But I feel like I feel like you would like that. Yeah, I would, but you you don't want to date that. You just want to like maybe like a one night fling mm-hmm. could be fun. But I f- I feel like it would get really uh, grating over time. Okay, Max Kerman, Brie Larson or Zoe Kravitz? Uh, well, the thing is, um, I did a uh, co writing session with Brie Larson's ex. So I feel beholden <laughs> to him. Um, and I, so I wouldn't want the bond you guys shared. Yeah, the bond we shared over that one day. Um, and I like him a lot. So I, w- I wouldn't do that to my, my boy. Um, so I guess Zoe Kravitz. And I, Zoe Kravitz is obviously very beautiful. I, the women say Zoe Kravitz is the most beautiful woman on the face of the planet. I don't disagree. I'm just saying that women, every single woman says that about Zoe Kravitz. 
and it's true i think i think okay. that yeah mike okay let's give you one and this will be the last one okay um okay who, oh, shane who does mikey like this is this would be fun um well, I don't know who he likes. If I knew, it, it would make the game less fun because you want to pick two people and see who he picks. Okay. Um, geez, who are two interesting women? Okay. Uh, pa- Pamela Anderson <laughs> or <laughs> Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs>